A lot of us have a profile of what we think killers and people who commit crimes look like. We feel like we can read people and quickly decide if someone means us harm or not. And that's not entirely false. But a lot of us get caught up in this idea and we place trust in people who we would not have already assumed were going to be a killer. Because the reality of the matter is this. Everyone can be a killer. Everyone can commit crimes. And sometimes, the people around us are hiding a much darker secret. Just like the Ken and Barbie killers. Hey guys, and welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today is episode two of the Ken and Barbie Killers. Welcome back. It's great to talk to everybody again, and let's get a little refresh on what we talked about last time. So last episode, we really focused on the Ken and Barbie in our case. We focused on the killers, Paul and Carla. We talked a little bit about their childhood, when they were born, you know, their lives, how they were as kids, and then we moved on to how they met. If you remember, they would meet at a restaurant one day, and Paul would look over and see Carla and just think she was so beautiful. He would begin to use his manipulation tactics, that was, until Carla began to act very different from all of the other people that Paul dated or you know, use this manipulation tactic with, and she shared a lot of the similar sexual fantasies that he did, and things were a lot different, especially for Paul, than it ever had been before. This led Paul to go on and tell Carla about some things he had never told anybody else. One of those was that he was the man that was responsible with raping the young girls around the town. Obviously, this probably worried Paul at first when he first brought it up, but Carla supported this. She encouraged it, actually. This would be the point that Paul would decide Carla was his girl and he would continue to rape these other girls because, you know, Carla supported that. And then he would begin to talk to Carla about how she couldn't give him her virginity. At this point, they had already slept together and about how it was just heartbreaking to him that she couldn't give him that and that he deserved that. Carla was also no longer 17 at this point and this is when Paul would start to tell her that Tammy, her younger sister who was 14 years old at the time, was beautiful and just had that virginity card that he always wanted. Carla would go on and agree and then offer Tammy to Paul. This was once again another point for Paul that he realized that Carla was this girl he always wanted, yeah, but she also was going to support this and this idea. And they started to talk about and plan how they were going to get Tammy to sleep with Paul. Once again, I want to reiterate that Tammy was 14 years old at this point, and Paul was in his 20s. Paul was an adult, and Tammy was a child. Like I said last time before he wrapped up, they started to flirt with Tammy, try to get Tammy to kind of do this on her own. 
but because Tammy was 14, and probably definitely not thinking about sleeping with her sister's husband, it didn't get them anywhere. This is when they would decide they were going to take this from Tammy, whether she wanted it or not. They first attempted to drug Tammy's spaghetti, and she would pass out. This is when Paul would begin to sexually assault Tammy while she was unconscious and unaware. They did not drug Tammy enough, though, and she started to wake up, scaring them and having them halt their plans that night. This probably led to a fight of some sorts because it was Carla's job to drug Tammy and to keep her asleep. And they started talking and planning what they were going to do next time. This next plan would happen a couple months later. And this is your trigger warning now. I know I don't put very many trigger warnings in our podcast because we do cover the nitty gritty and, you know, but since it does have to do with a child, listener discretion is advised. If you don't want to listen to this, skip a couple seconds in, minutes in, and you'll get past it. The second plan would happen a couple months later. They had talked and had decided that they were going to get Tammy so blackout drunk that she would sleep with Paul and not remember anything. But while they were drinking with 14-year-old Tammy, she seemed to pace herself very, very well. And no matter how much they tried to pressure her, she was not really getting drunk. She was a little tipsy, but not drunk. And after a Christmas party on December 23rd, 1990, They drugged her. They put Valium in one of Tammy's drinks. Now, Valium is used to treat anxiety, alcohol withdrawal, and seizures. This is also used as a sedative before medical procedures. And they got their hands on this drug because Carla worked at an animal hospital, and she had actually stolen it one day leading up to this incident. But just like the first time that they tried to drug Tammy, it didn't work the way they wanted it to. Tammy would start to complain about feeling dizzy and tired, but she wouldn't pass out. Carla, now being fed up with this not working and waiting, decided to place a rag covered in halothane over her mouth and nose. Let's talk about halothane a little bit. Halothane is actually the generic name for fluothane. This is a medication that is used as an anesthetic. The most common side effects of this medication are nausea, vomiting, chills, and a headache. The major side effects, however, that mean you need medical help right away include hives, difficulty breathing, swelling in your face, lips, tongue, and throat, an abnormal heart rate, decrease in your oxygen, usually due to the swelling or difficulty breathing, kidney damage, circulation problems, and even jaundice. This rag being held to her face and nose succeeded in knocking Tammy out. This is when Carla would decide to pull out a video camera and she clicked record and Paul began to sexually assault 
her younger sister, while she recorded. Paul had told Carla that he wanted her to watch as he assaulted her own sister, to which she agreed. And then after Paul was done with Tammy, he grabbed the camera that Carla was holding and informed her that it was her turn. This is when Carla would begin to rape her own sister. Only about a minute in to Carla raping her, Tammy would start to wake up. And she would then follow this with violently throwing up from the alcohol she had consumed and the side effects of the halothane. The throwing up paired with the drowsiness is obviously a dangerous combination in the first place. And instead of Carla or Paul turning Tammy on her side and letting it pass, they left her there to choke on her own vomit and asphyxiate. When they came back to Tammy and they realized that she was dead, they started to freak out a little bit. This was not part of their plan. They had no idea what to do at this point. And they made the decision to begin to clean the scene up. They washed all of the clothing that Tammy was wearing. And then when they were washed and dried, they proceeded to redress Tammy. They would then pick her body up and move it into the basement where her bedroom was located. They would then decide at that point it was time to call 911. And then act out some life-saving actions. But obviously at this point, Tammy was already gone and they knew it. When the ENTs arrived on scene to try to save Tammy after the 911 call, they would find both Paul and Carla there. And this is where Paul would inform them that he had tried to unsuccessfully revive Tammy. And before anybody would get to look at her, he would also say that in his attempt to revive Tammy, he had injured her face. They would see Tammy the scene and pronounce her dead. And when the authorities arrived to question them about what happened, they informed the authorities that Tammy was drinking that night and must have drank too much, in turn throwing up in her sleep and that is what killed her. They also reiterated that the marks on her face were from Paul trying to resuscitate her and that it was nothing other than an accident and this is what the police believed they believed what Paul and Carla said I want to bring you back though to those marks on her face because those marks on Tammy's face were not from Paul attempting to revive Tammy oh no those marks were chemical burns you guys they were chemical burns from the rag of halothane that Carla placed and held to Tammy's face until she passed out. I don't understand how you would get chemical burns mixed up with resuscitation burns, especially because when you watch somebody attempt to resuscitate somebody, there's not a lot of damage that can be done to the face. It's not like you're pressing on the mouth or anything like that. You know what I mean? So like, I, I don't understand why the police chose to ignore the very clear chemical burns on Tammy's face. Once Tammy's body would be taken care of and everybody would be informed about what had happened to Tammy, 
it kind of hit Paul, but not really Carla. And you guys, Paul was distraught. Paul was sobbing constantly over Tammy, showed his friends and family and Tammy's friends and family all of these videos that he had of her and just talked about her nonstop. You guys, it was like Paul had lost his significant other. It's very, very clear that Paul had a very unhealthy interest with Tammy and Paul clearly did not want Tammy to die. I know that some people believe that Paul was upset that he had killed someone and that's really where all of this came from. But in my opinion, I think he was just upset that Tammy was dead. I fully believe that Paul had a very unhealthy interest in Tammy and that this is the point that it was clear to Paul that nothing was ever going to get anywhere with Tammy because she was now dead. Here's where we move into some other weird things that the two participated in. After the death of Tammy, Carla went and took a lot of her clothing. This is when Carla would dress up like Tammy and proceed to act like her younger sister so that Paul could feel like he was having sex with Tammy again. And if that was not weird enough to take things even farther, they had sex on Tammy's bed. They did this kind of stuff for a while until Paul seemed like he was doing a little bit better with the death of Tammy. And this is the point where a monster would wake up in Paul and he would begin to feel like he was invincible. In the beginning with the rape of Tammy, Paul never intended on killing her. He never intended on killing anyone. But now that Paul had gotten away with murder, even though it was accidental, the thrill that came with the idea that he'd gotten away with it was even better than the thrill he got from raping people. This is officially when Paul and Carla would become the Ken and Barbie killers. And they would both have a hand in the victims that followed. Their second victim, I only saw a couple sources that cited this. This is a Jane Doe. Even though only a couple sources cited this, I wanted to put it in here because... It is still important to talk about. The reason this is a Jane Doe is because it was a 15-year-old girl and they did not want to release her name. On June 7th, 1991, just a year after the incident with Tammy, Carla invited a 15-year-old that she knew from a local pet shop for a girl's night out. I already think this is weird because Carla was an adult and I think it's weird for a 15 year old to go and hang out with an adult, but maybe that's just my paranoia. Carla and this 15 year old would go shopping and they would go back to Carla's home to hang out for the night. This is where Carla would offer the girl some alcohol that she laced with Halcyon. 
Of course, just like last time, Carla stole this from the animal hospital she worked at. Now, Halcyon is used to treat insomnia, and it is used to help people and animals fall asleep faster and stay asleep. Taking this medication with alcohol, however, will increase the side effects. It will usually lead you to feeling even more dizzy and tired. This can also lead to decreased breathing and heart rate, followed usually with low motor function, low cognitive capability, and liver damage. Of course, taking it with alcohol will lead to a much easier overdose on the drug. Now, Paul was unaware that Carla had plans for this 15-year-old until he got home that night. When he arrived, this 15-year-old was already drugged and passed out, and she would happily inform Paul that this was his wedding gift from her. Of course, Paul was excited. He was still raping those young girls on the street. Then Carla pulled out a video camera like she did last time and recorded Paul sexually assaulting this 15-year-old. This 15-year-old stayed unconscious through the entire thing. When she came through, she had no memory of ever being sexually assaulted. Of course, she was confused after she woke up. And then it followed with her throwing up violently. The couple made her believe it was because she had drank alcohol for the first time that night, this was normal, and that she had just drank too much. The next day, this young 15-year-old went home with no memory of ever being sexually assaulted. Then, in August in that same year, Carla called her again and invited her back down. Because this girl had no memory of what had happened, she accepted. When she was back down that night, the couple drugged her again, and after she was knocked out once again, Paul told Carla that he did not want to just sexually assault her this time, because last time that's all he did, and he decided he was going to rape this girl. Mid-rape, this young 15-year-old's breathing became shallow, and she actually stopped breathing. Because they did not necessarily want to be responsible for this 15-year-old dying, Carla called 911 promptly this time. They would hang up on this phone call, and a few minutes later, Carla would call the 911 operator back and tell her it was a false alarm, and they had everything under control and that they could cancel the ambulance that was on its way. So this operator did just that. It does sound like this unnamed 15-year-old did survive though, and that is one reason that she is unnamed. But if I take you back to that 911 call, I feel like that's a little weird. I have had to call 911 before when one of my own children was choking and the operator told me over and over and over not to hang up 
to just put the phone down if I needed to, put her on speaker. She would not, she did not want me to hang up. So unless Carla just hung up on this operator, I feel like that's a little bit weird. I mean, even when I had a police officer who had pulled up to my house to help with my child, the 911 operator told me just to put the phone down until either the ambulance showed up or my daughter started breathing. I've also had situations where I have pocket dialed 911. I'm sure every single one of us has done that. And I actually got a call back, two calls back from 911, and they still sent an officer out even though I called them to inform them that it was an accident because they couldn't get back hold of me when I had called the first time. So to have Carla just hang up on this operator and then that kind of be it till she called back was just a weird thing to me. I'm not sure, you know, if I've just had a, a 911 operator that just didn't want me to hang up or something like that. If it's like a case by case thing, I'm not sure, but I did want to bring that up. So luckily for this young 15-year-old, as far as I know, she was not murdered. I'm glad she got away. I'm not glad that she has to live with this the rest of her life and just knowing that it happened. But this is the point where Paul and Carla have now killed somebody unintentionally. Yes, you can give them that if you want to. And they had now raped a girl that they knew twice. It's very clear that they're kind of testing their boundaries right now and trying to decide how far they wanted to go. Didn't seem like it was enough for them and they would move on to do worse things. But that's where I'm going to leave today's episode. I wanted to talk about the first two victims of Paul and Carla's And next week, we're going to get into uh, the other two victims and talk about that because they've got two more that we at least know of. And that does not count all of the girls that Paul had already raped at this point. So next week, we are going to get into what Paul and Carla did to Leslie and Kristen. I'll see you then. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.